You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Here we are again on a cold and frosty Sunday morning, but it's really good to see you today. I would like you to imagine your perfect church. And I think that would probably look a little bit different for each of us. It might be that you love a small church. You might prefer a large, lively church. You might prefer something a bit more contemplative. You might vision in your perfect church a 15-piece worship band or a single musician or an amazing organ to play great hymns on. I imagine you would want in your perfect church some amazing preaching which would edify you and uplift you. And I, <laughs> I know in my perfect church, I would love to see everybody serving one another in the church and the church serving the community. A church that is there to share and care for one another, meeting on a Sunday, meeting together during the week, doing life together. Here at Authentic, we have a vision of our perfect church, what we would love our church to look like, feel like, be like. And so at the start of our year together, we want to do a, what we're calling a back-to-basics um, set of messages because we think it's important to remind ourselves of why this church exists, why the wider church exists, what and who it's for, and what part we each have to play in all of it. And we want to do that as well, so that here at Authentic, as we grow and develop, that we know that at every stage of that growth, we can be confident that we're still meeting the purpose that we see Authentic Church being here for as a church and as individuals. And Nigel spoke to us last week about what is our purpose. And just to remind you, he talked about the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. And also the great commission, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that all boils down to what we hope It's a fairly catchy tagline, which is, our purpose is to continue what Jesus started. It's really fairly simple, I think. And it's at the heart of all that we want to do here at Authentic. It drives us and it inspires us to be like Jesus to one another and in our community, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools and so on. So this is the what we do. So our our back to basics, what we want to think about over the next few weeks is the how we do that. And you've heard us talk before about how when we, before we started Authentic, we looked at the Acts 2 church, went back to the foundations of church. What was it they were doing and how were they doing it? And we believe that there are five key things as Authentic Church that we want to build our foundations on. And they are loving God through worship, loving others through serving in ministry, learning and growing through discipleship, belonging together through fellowship, and sharing the good news through evangelism. These are our foundations. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've been a Christian a while. I don't think I really need to know that stuff. But I believe that it's important that it's worth reminding ourselves of why 
we come to church? Why do we worship? Why do we connect with one another? Why is it important that we share the wonderful gift of Jesus with others? So this morning, we're thinking about worship. And the dictionary definition of worship says this, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. But these days, people worship all sorts of things which are not a deity, as in God. Maybe a football team, maybe celebrity, maybe royalty. But we're obviously focusing on Christian worship, which is all about God. And I would like to look today at three key aspects of worship. That worship starts internally, that we express it externally, and also about how we worship when life is tough. So, worship starts internally. It comes from within our heart and our mind. Rick Warren, who is a a pastor of a big church in the States, says this, the church exists to worship God. When we express our love to God, we are worshipping I wonder if you've ever experienced a moment of what you considered to be true worship, where your focus is entirely on God, where all other distractions just seem to melt away and all that's left is you and God. And you feel something welling up on the inside that you just want to pour out. I have experienced those moments in my life, not all the time, but they are so beautiful when they happen and you feel just an overwhelming sense of love for God and being loved by God. William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury from 1942 to 1944, sums it up brilliantly. He says this, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It's the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Adoration is not a word that we readily use these days, is it? But that's what it is. It's adoration for God. In John 4, we read the story of Jesus as he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says this to her, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So what Jesus is saying here is that worship is not about a physical place. Where worship happens is not important. It's all to do with the heart. Rather than being an external thing or linked to a place or a set of procedures or what goes on in your church on a Sunday morning, worship comes from the depths of your being in your heart. It happens in spirit 
and in truth. It happens as the Holy Spirit interacts with our human spirit. And in doing so, we come to recognise and understand the truth of who God the Father is and who we are in relation to him. Worship starts on the inside. If we go back to the great commandment where Jesus tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Heart, soul, mind. They're all internal aspects of our humanity. And I believe that when we worship with these things, we'll more easily recognise when our priorities are not quite right and when we begin to put things maybe above God. As an example, the closer you are to a person, the greater your human relationship with someone, maybe a spouse, a close friend, a colleague, the more likely you are to notice when that relationship is not quite right and you want to do something about it. In the same way, the closer we are to God, we will recognise when our relationship is not quite right and want to do something about it. As humans, we're motivated by and we act on what is in our hearts and our minds. God knows this. He designed us. Jesus commands us to love with all our heart and our mind and our soul. Because that's what God looks at. So here's a challenge for you. I love a good challenge in a message. Is your worship motivated by love for God? Are you worshipping through habit, to fit in, to look good to others? Is your worship starting on the inside of you? Things to ponder. Secondly, our worship, if it starts on the inside, it is expressed on the outside. I could tell Nigel I love him, which I do. But if I never demonstrated it, how would he know? How would he know that I love him? How does God know that we love him? One way is that we can worship and express that externally. And the most obvious way of doing that is by singing praise. The Bible is absolutely full of examples of this, but here's just a few 1 Chronicles 16, verse 9. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. Because your love is Better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. There was a time not that long ago in my Christian walk where I longed to be freer in worship. I looked at other people around me with their hands raised, with their eyes closed, clearly with no inhibitions about worship. And I just did not feel that way myself, although that's what I longed to feel like. Because I felt for for myself that uh, my worship was not sincere. It was not as sincere as I wanted it to be. And I battled and struggled with this for a long time about expressing my worship externally in this way. 
And what I came to realise over a long time was what I had to do was I just had to do it. I had to intentionally raise my hands if that's what I wanted to do. And I had to intentionally not worry about what everyone else was doing. And so that's what I did. And do you know what? I find it easier now than I did then, but I still struggle at times. I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, a very easily distracted person. And um, I find that closing my eyes in worship makes it easier. And then it, it's easier for me to just imagine that it's just me and God. And I find then my external worship becomes much more easy. And I'm not saying that raising your hands in worship is the best way or the right way or the only way to worship. But that's just my story and how I kind of came to find a place that I'm comfortable with. Of course, singing is not the only way to express our worship to God. Just briefly, I'll touch on um, a few other ways, but each of them really is a sermon in itself. But prayer is a way that we can worship externally. We express our love to God through prayer by spending time talking to him, building our relationship with him, making time to be with him and to listen to him. Prayer should not be a monologue, just one way upwards. Another way is by giving financially of our money. By recognising that everything we have comes from God, then in gratitude we give some of it back to him. And we can tithe our money to the church, charities, individuals. But that is a way that we express our worship, our love for God externally. And then we can give of our time, our gifts, our talents by serving one another And we're going to be having a separate message on that in a few weeks. I won't go into that right now. In fact, everything we do can be part of our worship. Romans 12 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In giving our bodies as a sacrifice to God, we are giving everything we use our body for as a sacrifice to him. So work, recreation, rest, everything. I love the message version translation of this verse, which says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love that version. If our lives are motivated by love for God on the inside and we offer up everyday activities to him, then all of life becomes an expression of love and worship whether we're washing up, whether we're gardening, whether we're doing our paid work, whether we're shopping. It's all worship. It's not just what we do in church on a Sunday. It should be the constant attitude and activity of our lives. So we see that there are two main types of external worship. One is acts of worship with the mouth, so praise, and prayer. And the other is acts of worship with the body, the hands, and the feet. Acts of service, if you like, that demonstrate our love for God 
through what we're willing to sacrifice for the good of other people. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So that's worship with our mouths. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And that's our worship with our body and our hands and our feet. But just a word of warning about our motives when we express our worship externally. Jesus has quite a lot to say about this in Matthew 6. So he says about prayer, which we've seen as an external way of worshipping. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And Jesus says this about giving. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. And he goes on to say in Matthew chapter 15, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. To do something in vain means to do it without success. Imagine if you're worshipping without success because your motives are not right. So you can do as many good deeds as you want. You can raise your hands in exuberant worship. You can go to as many church services as you want and still never be truly worshipping if it's all external and nothing's happening on the inside in your heart towards God. Our motive should not, to be, should not be to be seen by people, but to be known by God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's easy to get distracted by things in life that take us away from loving God. Things like hobbies that take up lots of time, social media that we can't put down, working every hour to chase the next promotion or a pay rise. Maybe we spend a lot of time beautifying our homes or even ourselves. Maybe we are an avid football fan and that's where we worship at the football ground. Some of these things in themselves are not wrong. I'm not saying that having hobbies is wrong or making your home look nice. That's not wrong. But they are wrong if they take us away from our relationship with God, if they come above God in our list of priorities. How are we expressing our worship to God externally? Are our motives honest and sincere? Maybe we're allowing other things to get in the way of our worship to God, our love for him, and take priority in our lives. So we've seen about what worship is and how and why we worship God. And it's easy, in inverted commas, to worship God in the good times. It's much, much harder to carry on worshipping when life gets tough. How often do you see a football fan celebrating when the other team scores? 
And yet this is exactly what God asks us to do, not the celebrating football thing, but the worshipping even when we don't feel like it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 13, 15 says, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Sometimes our praise and worship is a sacrifice. It will cost us something to do it. When life is tough and we don't feel like worshipping God, that's when we have to make the sacrifice of praise. There's a great lesson from Habakkuk who says this, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Habakkuk had learned the lesson of faith, to trust in God's provision and goodness regardless of the circumstances and to praise him in all situations good and bad. In my experience, if we can continue to worship, even when we least feel like doing it, something wonderful happens. We begin to take our eyes off our problems and set them on Jesus. And we begin to find peace in our circumstances, however bad they might seem. It's difficult It's difficult. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. And I have no easy answers. So what does this all mean for us at Authentic Church? Well, in line with the great commandment, we want loving God to be at the centre of everything we do. And one way we can express this is through our worship. When we sing, when we give, when we serve, when we pray, when we act on behalf of authentic, we want our motivation to be one of love. We want to be a family that worships in the good times and brings a sacrifice of praise in the tough times. Our prayer for this church is that as we learn to worship God from the inside out, we become more like him. Our final song today, we haven't sung here at Authentic before. It's a song by Matt Redman called The Heart of Worship. And it was written in the 1990s. And it was a period of time in Matt Redman's own home church where they were struggling with their praise and worship on a Sunday. And the pastor did a very brave thing in the midst of this wilderness period. And for a season, he got rid of the sound system and he got rid of the band. And this is what Matt Redman said. We gathered together with just our voices. His, that's the pastor's, point was that we'd lost our way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. 
The pastor reminded the people to be producers of worship, not just consumers of worship. He asked them the question, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as an offering to God? And what happened in this church is when, what they realised is that they were coming to take, to receive, rather than to give. And initially, there were some very embarrassing silences on the Sunday morning because there was no music and nobody to lead any singing. But eventually, people would break into a cappella songs and heartfelt prayers, and they encountered God in a fresh way. And what they found there at that, that church is when they stripped away the musicians and the sound system... They gained a new perspective that worship is about the heart and it's all about Jesus. And it's from that place that Matt Redman went home and wrote the song that we're going to finish our service with shortly, The Heart of Worship. Here are some of the lyrics. When the music fades, all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. So I'd like to finish this message this morning with the same question that that pastor asked his congregation back in the 90s. When you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as an offering to God?